You're listening to Fox on the Wire Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fox on the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Acoustic Fox, but you can also call me Craig. I hope you're all safe and well. And uh, if you're in Melbourne, I hope you're enjoying the nice warm weather. And if you're in Canada, like the guys from the Carbons, I hope you're enjoying the freezing cold snow. I myself am looking forward to a few weeks off coming up where I can focus purely on music and uh, some more podcasts, some more recording and uh, writing some new tunes. And I hope your creative time is hugely productive. I've got a very special guest for the show today, uh, Kate Westwood from Westwood Management. Kate is very knowledgeable, very organised, and uh, I think you're going to get heaps out of today's show. And uh, if you really enjoy it, you know, you can follow Kate. She does plenty of courses, which we'll get into through the chat. She's got heaps of cool stuff, free stuff as well, on her website, Westwood mgmt.com.au that's sort of westwoodmanagement.com.au but we'll put a link in the show notes but a couple of things before we get into today's episode i just want to remind everyone to please follow me on instagram and facebook at fox on the wire that's double x you can email me at fox on the wire at gmail.com with any feedback or requests and uh, i do have the really cool Fox on the Wire Spotify playlist where I've got songs from all the guests we've had on the show thus far. And guess what? I've got a brand new single coming out on February 12th, which is Friday, called Shine A Light, and I'm very excited to release it. And I'm also getting back into the studio in March to record some more tunes. But for now, I hope you can all check out Shine A Light, stream it on Spotify. Uh, Again, I'll have some links in the show notes here i hope you dig it i really hope you like it and uh we'll be doing a music video for that very soon which we'll probably see uh early to mid-march you know i'm really happy to be releasing some new music especially at this time you know it's important for me and i'd say most musicians to feel creative and productive and uh you know writing recording releasing music definitely helps with that so without further ado let's get into the show with kate westwood from Westwood Management. Here we go. Okay, welcome everybody to Fox on the Wire. I want to welcome a very special guest to today's episode, Kate Westwood of Westwood Management. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here and to finally be chatting with you. It's taken us a couple of months to get ourselves sorted, but I'm I'm so excited to, yeah, just have a chat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think we both try and keep pretty busy, yourself especially, I see. Like uh, last time we spoke, you were running a three-day virtual summit with, uh, what was it, 25-plus speakers and just an insane amount of work you would have uh, put into that. It was crazy. I didn't really consider that at the beginning, but yes, yes, it was. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I was lucky enough to be one of the the speakers, which was, um, you know, really crazy on my end. I thought, oh, someone wants to hear me speak. All right, awesome, I'll do it. So, and um, and then I saw how much you know work you're putting into it over the well, the lead up, and then obviously running the three days, and then um, yeah, just all the promo you were doing. So, uh, turned out to be a bigger sort of task than you 
thought it might be? I think uh, doing something for the first time is always bigger than you thought it would be because you don't know, you don't have any idea of the pitfalls and the obstacles and the challenges and the tech issues that you might have. I think anytime you do something for the first time, it's always good to ask questions and to find someone, have you done this before? Could I just pick your brain on this? And so I actually did a couple of short courses on how to run a virtual summit uh, and it you know, included like how you do your emails and how you contact speakers and then also how to run the days and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was really helpful and uh, I guess made it a little bit more feel like it was achievable, even though it actually went off way more than I expected. And I had still have people saying, oh, this content's so great. People who bought the all access pass, you know, still going through and rewatching and, and continuing to learn uh, and engage with the speakers. So that's really cool to see. Um, and it's fun to do something you've never done before. So I was really glad that I, I had the idea and I said, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to do it and we'll see how we go. It'll be an experiment. So it definitely was and it was really worth doing. Yeah, well, um, I mean, we haven't known each other that long, but you strike me as someone who is extremely organised and would know how to plan something out like that. And um, you sure as, as hell did that. So um, so some of the things that the, the summit covered was uh, audience building, creative development, uh, business building. Um, did you find sort of any one of those particular ones was more engaging to people? Like did people react to sort of one more than the other or were they all sort of generally pretty popular? I would say across the board it was generally pretty popular, although I did have some, we had great feedback around people who shared their stories. So we had a couple of artists in there who uh, are good at audience building. They're good at connecting with their fans. And so that's why I asked them to speak. And so anytime there's a story or, or you know, you, you're able to use something in your life and translate it to a learning experience or an opportunity uh, for someone else to learn. I think that that was really good. So, uh, but I mean, I've had great feedback on so many of the, uh, the, the content and so much of the content and also the speakers and people learning and going, Oh, wow. I learned so much was really helpful. Um, so yeah, definitely great to spread it out across those three days. And for me, they're the three big things that we focus on in, in Westwood management. So myself as a manager and coach, I don't think you can, do one without the other. I think being a, a, a consummate musician and business owner, because if you're wanting to, you know, like you and I make some music and uh, make some music, make some money and also make some fans, you have to, uh, you have to give time to all of those three things, the creative, your audience, and also the business side. So, uh, yeah, I felt like it was, um, a really good, even mix. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about that sort of just before we hit record about, uh, I guess, time management and there not being enough hours in the day to uh, do everything we need or would like to do sometimes. So we're sort of trying to pluck some extra hours out of the day that don't really exist most of the time, you know, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of work being an independent musician and you're managing yourself most of the time and, um yeah, you've got to tick a lot of boxes yourself, It's uh, especially as a solo artist, as you probably know. Like if you're in a band, sometimes you can spread that those tasks across, you know, the whole band, probably except the drummer most of the time. <laughs> but uh, as a solo artist, you know, it's, it comes all down to you. So, um, yeah, I found that summit, like when you sort of asked me to speak, I was flattered and I'm like, oh, 
I don't know how to speak about what I do. I kind of just do it. But um, yeah, it was a good learning curve for me as well. So I hope uh, the audience got something out of it. I uh, must admit that I didn't have the courage to watch my own segment back and I still haven't seen it. So (laughs) That's your challenge for this week. Uh, Uh, The thing, one of the reasons why I asked you and one of the reasons why I feel like the summit was the the Indie Musician Summit, we we called it, that's what it's called, uh, was important and valuable is it it didn't ask for top tier industry professionals to come and talk about their 30 years of experience and their 10 aria awards or grammy awards or you know the the massive artists that they'd worked with it said you know you've been doing this podcasting thing for a couple of years and so you you know you what you're doing is actually something that other people can do it's achievable um I love having, you know, inspirational people uh, come and speak at at seminars or um, at business, you know, things or or at things like Big Sound, which is that big music industry conference, which is so great. But Mm. also I have 2,000 streams on my Instagram, you know, or on my Instagram, on my Spotify for an artist who then is listening to Tones and I, which she has a billion streams. It feels so separate. It's like aspirational, but it's not achievable. And so, um, you know, I felt like you you have so much that you can teach people and people can learn from you. So I was so stoked to have you as a part of it. Well, thank you again for asking me. And uh, yeah, it was a great opportunity and it sort of got me out of my own little box that I keep myself in sometimes, you know, not not knowingly. So it was, uh, is, is, is the summit still available for people to go and check out somewhere or... Well, there is a wait list at the moment for the next, uh, for this year's summit. Um, right. I really kept the, the, the all access pass open, but if people want to, you know, I think it's $45 or is it $90? Uh, if they want to grab that, they absolutely can. Um, so they just send me a message or an email and I'll, I'll figure that out for them. But the idea is that, uh, we're planning for the next summit, um, hopefully towards the end of the year in the third, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, cool. Um, So currently you're running a music release roadmap course. Um, So obviously without giving away too much, um, I think it's you uh, said it's starting next week. Is that right? Yeah. So one of the things, I mean, I'm wanting to release music this week. You're releasing music uh, this year as well. We're like, there's a point where we want to get music out. And in my chatting with indie and emerging artists last year, again and again, oh, yeah, I've got a plan uh, to release music next year, but I'm not really sure what to do or I don't know how to go about it or, um, you know, the the struggle with the timeline and the budget and and all the things that are involved. So I put together this really comprehensive course, um, that covers uh, what I call the four seasons of releasing. So uh, pre-production, um, production, uh, pre-launch and launch, and then post-launch. So it really allows you time to consider each aspect of the release, including your budget and your timeline and not doing it just three weeks before you want to release a single, but actually months in advance. And uh, the reason we do that is because, one that just saves a lot of stress and pressure when you're in that launch period to be having to crap, what do I do for socials and how, who do I contact for PR and how do I get on a playlist? Like it's already stressful enough yeah. and so uh, being able to do that, but then also thinking like a business. So if you actually are wanting to have a music career, which means you're having a business, which means that businesses are always planned ahead. Successful businesses plan. Yeah. Ahead. So, um, 
it, it's giving a really clear, easy to follow framework that allows, um, that helps you to know how to organize your life and your plans so that you can actually release with confidence and actually get that music out there. And that's my goal. I want to help people get their music out, not just wish that they could and then yeah. do it poorly or um, never actually do it. So yeah, music release roadmap. Uh, opens on the 15th of February. So it kind of goes over three months, over 12 weeks, but you can do it at your own pace. So it's pretty cool. Oh, okay, fantastic. So that's the website for that is virtualmusicmanager.com slash roadmap. Yeah, that's how that's where you register. And right. it's, uh, yeah, $187, which yep. I think is pretty cheap in terms of the, the, the amount of content that you get and all the resources, or there's three payments of $67. But I wanted to make it really affordable yeah. for people just going to get started. It is really cheap because, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle of it now, like where to um, where to put your money, like whether it's in Facebook advertising mm. or, you know, uh paying some money to get your songs pushed on Spotify and that sort of thing. And then you got cost for music video. Um, They're just endless. So um, obviously none of us probably have an endless stream of cash that we can just (laughs) chuck here, chuck some over there and a little bit over there. So I think your course would be very beneficial in that sense too, like where to put your money because – you know, it was often said that, you know, you got to pay so much for your music or, you know, to record it, but you've also got to put even just as much, if not more, into the marketing and mm. in that side of things, which yeah. I think a lot of us sort of don't do most of the time. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. does, is that sort of covered in, in the uh, in the roadmap, the Absolutely. course? Absolutely. We cover yeah. everything to do with PR mm. um, and, you know, Facebook ads but probably the first question that we ask and i think you know this is a good thing for anyone to think about is what are my goals what do i want to get out of this what do i want this release or this tour or this gig what do i want to happen once i've done it and i think that's one question that people don't um, artists they either don't even ever ask that question or they don't allow themselves to actually uh, think through the 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 consequences both good or bad Mm. And then because of that, then they make financial, emotional, uh, time frame decisions uh, that are just kind of like, oh, someone wants to, you know, pay, you know, promote my stuff and it costs 400 US. Okay, yeah, cool, let's do that. Click and do that. But yeah. it's coming out of um, a, not a real sense of solid, okay, no, but my goal is this. And mm. so uh, does that decision line up with what actually I want to achieve? And yeah. I use primarily, we were talking about singles before, um, if an artist has never considered, uh, you know, the income that they'd like to make from their, their music or the profit they'd like to make from a release, or then what they'll often do is like, why don't I just put all of my effort into the Spotify basket? And that's fine if, a, if an artist, my goal is to have 100,000 streams this year. Okay, great. Then you put time and effort into that. Mm. Uh, but if your goal is actually to make money, Spotify is not an income earner. Uh, no. And singles, as cool as they are and as great they are as they are for the algorithm, nobody buys singles. They mm. And essentially what we're doing is we're training people to get our music for free. So why would they pay for something? So there, there is some, you know, uh, what's the word? 
uh, things are a bit off balance or too much weight on a particular thing uh, mm. without really thinking about maybe is that actually what I want to do uh, mm. or is my goal just to be cool on Spotify and get a lot of streams or and actually I want to be able to quit my day job. Okay, so I think that's a really important thing to consider before you go on embarking and spending a lot of time and a lot of money on recording when you don't actually know why you're doing it. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you can throw your money at all sorts of different places, but uh, and they might sound like good opportunities, but like you said, if it's not the goal you sort of set out to to achieve, maybe that's not the best place to put that money at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, there's so many options and yeah. everyone probably has different goals and, uh, you know, at the moment with no touring and stuff like that, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit strange, I must say. Um, Absolutely. And I think one of those things that I feel like is a bit unbalanced, I talked a little bit about before just about Spotify, that people put all their effort into the Spotify basket. But, you know, also before uh, COVID, most artists were putting all their effort into the live gigging basket. They weren't yeah. engaging with uh, the online audience. They, they didn't have online merch. They didn't have a way to contact the fans uh, outside of a social media network. And so now that that has shut down, it's made, made people go, oh, <laughs> I, I'm not making any money. And so actually realizing we need to diversify our revenue streams, which is one of the joys and the challenges of being a creative is it's not a nine to five job with a, a consistent salary that you get. Um, yeah. You know, you and I have got our fingers in, you know, six or seven pies. I just came yeah. from a radio job that I do. So I'm on air. And, and so I was just, you know, I'm splitting my time between a couple of things uh, until one thing, you know, becomes, you know, pays me full time. Um, and that's the same with most artists, but uh, it's being able to, I kind of use the example of being an octopus that Spotify is just one of the, I'm good with, I like my analogies, that yeah. the octopus is kind of um, shows that there's multiple ways in which we uh, build our audience, develop our creativity and build our business. So Spotify mm. is just one of those tentacles. Live streaming is also just uh, one of those tentacles. Live gigs is one of those tentacles. Merchandise, PR, like we've got to be balanced and think about ourselves our business as a whole rather than just one aspect of it. And Mm. that's why I do what I do because that's really hard to think about and conceive of. Um, And that's why the music release roadmap exists to help you consider all of those things. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I know for myself, like I guess I used to focus on the gigs and recording, you know, you do some recording, go out and play some gigs and, you know, keep repeating the cycle and then the gig stopped. So I had to sort of, you know, um, look at things a bit differently and or other things that I hadn't paid much attention to a little bit more deeply and mm-hmm. um, and I still haven't got back into the gigs yet. I've got my first one in March and I'm like, oh, <laughs> what do I bring? What do I take to a gig? I forget. <laughs> How do I sing? That's one thing I felt like in COVID, uh, first couple of times that I sang, I feel like I think I've forgotten how to sing. Mm. Like because I haven't, I was, you know, essentially rehearsing at least twice a week, I was singing a lot. And then COVID, it was like nothing yeah. just in the shower or around about the house. <laughs> but I wasn't actually working on, on my muscle. I wasn't doing my warm ups every day as I would go to different rehearsals and performances. And so that was a big thing. I was like, Oh, I've strained myself. I've kind of forgotten everything I've learned about how to <laughs> take care of my instrument yeah. um, because I'm just not doing it regularly. And so mm. that, you know, that I, I have to remind myself, I've got myself a, a course that I'm going to go through again, just to 
okay, come back to breathing and diaphragm, (laughs) mixed voice and all those things so that I can make sure I take care of it. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's get into your career as a muso. I want to go back to Westwood, obviously, but you yourself are a musician um, and you often talk about your uh, first album that you recorded. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a little while and um, how, that. how that went? Yeah, coming up to uh, three years since that was released in March. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still shake my head. Kate, where's the second album coming? We'll get to that. Um, <laughs> so I have been singing and writing since I was really young. Um, I, I sang a lot in church. I did a lot of bands in high school, loved musical theatre, so did a bunch of that kind of stuff. But um uh, never really considered myself as an artist and so... I kept mostly to, most of that stuff to myself. So I was performing, but it, it was uh, in church or in these bands, but it was all, you know, covers and stuff. And, and so when well, it was a couple of years ago, I realised that I had this epiphany when I was doing the songwriting course that um, I believed that if my songs were good and if I was a good songwriter that I should be able to do it all in my own capacity. So yeah. to ask for help or to ask for input uh, about the song actually meant that I wasn't good enough. And it, it was a weird, it was like, oh, ugh, mm. that, that's horrible. That's kept me stuck for so long. Yeah. And it's kept me from releasing music, from sharing my songs, from being open and vulnerable because it is an open and vulnerable place mm, when you ask for feedback and when you share your songs. Um but when, when I had that revelation and that like light bulb moment, I was like, okay, well, I want to change that. I want my music to have a, an outlet. And so then I started asking for that help and pursuing opportunities for feedback and co-writing and collaboration. And from there, um, there was just lots of opportunities uh, to to do that, to, to start playing and singing my songs, to have the songs I've written be recorded by other people. But then also realizing, oh, maybe I actually have enough songs to record. Mm. I had some money set aside and I, I did it. I asked a producer with fear and trembling, <laughs> like, um, would you think about, do you think that maybe you could, um, like, would you like to produce me? Like he, he was like a kind of a mid tier, but dream producer. And he said, yes, we'd love to. And it was just a beautiful process of realizing that, oh, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I'm yeah. not the best, but I'm great. And I've got something to say. I've got a story to tell. And, uh, I loved the recording process and I loved how much confidence I got as a person and as an artist, just from doing that. Mm. Um, and being able to tell a story and being able to write um, even, I think we only used four of the 20 songs that I had prepped, but then I went, my producer was like, hey, you've, there's more songs in you. You haven't, these these songs are cool, but these are songs from like eight years ago. We want the story for yeah. now. So that was really great and really challenging for me to go and, okay, I'm going to write a song in the middle of the recording process. And <laughs> so three of those songs were that and, uh I also crowdfunded, so I oh, had yeah. enough money to, to record with my producer because um, I think I paid about 1500 per song um, for the whole uh, production process. So pre-production, he also was the engineer and the mixing and he played a bunch of the instruments on it. So, he, it, I mm. mean, I, don't, I couldn't put a price on how valuable he, um, him he was for me. Um, and so I didn't, yeah. So the crowdfund was intentionally to gather a crowd around me, not just to raise money. So, you know, two really important things that crowdfunding can do is raise money, but then also 
gather a crowd of people who already generally love you and support you and are willing to put their money on the line uh, for something they've never heard of before. So that was amazing. Uh, and yeah, I've, I, even just this week, I got people saying, oh, I'm listening to your music uh, and it's really ministering to me. It's really speaking to me right now. Or a friend who just met a neighbor and they were showing, sharing Spotify playlists. And one of my songs is on her playlist. And it's just like, oh. okay, cool. Even three years later, <laughs> the the content of the songs, the truth and the hope uh, of, and, and kind of the wrestle that I was going through in that period that came out. Yeah. I feel like I just went on, but it was such a joy. If I feel like it was a nine year process yeah. <laughs> of when I first decided I wanted to do this, dealing with my issues, uh, being blocked again and again and again by fear and insecurity. Comparison was such a killer because I would hear these songs, mm. artists that I love, and I would go, oh, my acoustic song that I've written doesn't sound anything like that. Duh, of course it doesn't because <laughs> this is me in my house and that's, you know, produced with however many mm. thousand dollars. And just my lack of understanding and because I didn't open myself up to people, because I didn't ask for input and I didn't ask questions, it just kept me alone in my room <laughs> rather yeah. than actually learning and growing. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do is mm. because of my journey of doing it by myself was killing me and it was yeah. getting nowhere. And I have to now in what I do, do it with others because it's only beneficial for everyone. So, yeah. yeah. And, and music does that. Like that's a good anchor for, uh, self growth, I guess. Yeah. Um, you can, I guess, anchor on that along the way, which is what I've done too. And it helps your, well, you, you use it to grow your confidence, um, your belief in yourself. Um, you know, it helps you through so many hard times or happy times even, and you can, uh, work off that and, and to get through a recording, Oh, recording an album, the process process of that isn't easy. So it's a that's a big big feat to get through. So congratulations, yeah. and uh, you should do it again soon. I'm working on that. I think yeah. one thing from what you were saying is the benefit of doing things with others is yeah. that actually as you're going through, I guess walking the trail or climbing the mountain is when you do it with others, you, when you're celebrating, you turn around and someone's celebrating with you. Yeah. Uh, like the difference between traveling overseas on your own, it's cool, but there's no one to go, Oh, remember that time when we did? Oh no, nobody remembers. <laughs> nobody was there. Yeah. It's so valuable. It's so important. It's not essentially always about what other people can do for you and whether you need the help, but it's actually about what it does to you when you invite that help, when you mm. get to, um, drag someone along on your journey, what they learn about that. And, uh, I mean, I use the example of, um, I have to open doors every day in my own life. Uh, I'm not standing there waiting for a man to open a door for me or lift a box for me or, you know, that kind of chivalry kind of space. Mm. And uh, so it's not like I need that help, but when someone offers it, I want to say, yeah, sure. Yeah. I would love your help because I know that it benefits them as well as benefiting me. It's not an issue of my mm. pride. I'm not, I'm not sorry. I, you know, I can do it at myself. I don't need your help. It's not even about needing help. It's about inviting the input and the connection with others. And I would never have, I don't think I would have got that, uh, that revelation unless I'd been in that space with other writers mm. who were able to point out that blind spot. So 
like, I don't know if you've ever heard of that term. It's like in a car, you know, a blind spot. You can't see in that space. And so you need someone else to point that out to you. And sometimes that's really deep, like we've got this major issue. And other times it's like, hey, you just need to ask for help because mm. someone else can give you a clue that that's actually in three, four, not four, four. And that's why it's, you're struggling with that song or um, in for, for whatever. And so I'm really passionate about reminding people and asking people, you shouldn't do it yourself. Even if you can, I don't think you should because mm. then at your launch party, you don't just have a bunch of people going, yay, good job you. You're actually going, woohoo, we all did this together and we're celebrating the work that a community has done to create a beautiful piece of art that's going to last. Yeah. And uh, that was such a joyful for, for me at my launch party because I had my possible, my crowdfunding people, I had all the people from the band, I had the choir come in and start to, and sing their parts. I didn't ask them to, but like sing their parts. It was like a goosebump, like spiritual moment. And people wow. were like, Whoa, that was so amazing. I'm like, I know, but that's because it wasn't me doing a thing. It was me celebrating with everyone else who was involved. And it was just so rich. And mm. yeah, I can't imagine doing it any other way to be honest now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still based around you and it's still about you, but you, yeah did it with other people so mm -hmm. um who was the producer that sort of that you worked with yeah i want to sing the praises of joel dowling from night flare uh productions night flare uh, production house he uh for a long time was matt corby's uh well, they're, they're good mates but um yeah. his guitar and, and music director and his band toured all over the world with him uh he's worked with a bunch of um artists samsara he's written and played for uh, baptiste and a bunch of other um, Aussie and local Melbourne artists. So he uh, currently just, he's got three young girls, his gorgeous wife, Ali, and they just does a lot of stuff out of his back room of his house. But um, yeah, I'm so grateful for him, not just for the work that he did and the, the skills that he has, but the capacity to, 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 he essentially gave me confidence in myself mm. as an artist. And I think that's what good producers will do is yeah. they won't just do a good job, but they'll tell you that you're good and they'll, they'll give you confidence. To, no, you're, you've, you've got this, you can get this note, let's do it again, you know, mm. that you actually feel empowered and encouraged by them, uh, not just they did a job for me. It doesn't mean mm. you have to be best friends, but <laughs> I actually manage him and his wife now for some of the other things that they do. So the, we wear a lot of different hats, but. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, he obviously had confidence in you, which uh, obviously helped you. Yes. But I guess that can't you can't just do that with anyone. Like some people, you got, you've got I mean, you obviously trusted him, so you accepted, you know, what he was sort of giving you in terms of empowerment and that sort of thing. Mm. So it's a pretty important relationship, isn't it, between yeah. producer and musician, I guess? Yeah, I would even go as far to say that, it's kind of bold, Kate, that, uh, you know, if you work with someone and they're a great producer but you don't have that camaraderie and that trust. Yeah say thank you and then look for someone who you can have that with because that's going to um, really get you through and, and help you to push through the challenging stuff um, uh, and and become more of a per the person that you're meant to be rather than just do a thing that you did. And I think yeah. both of those are really important. But, yeah, um, yeah. Don't, don't say, oh, they were terrible, but just, I mean, I, I feel like I got the ideal <laughs> producer first time around and it's not the same. It's not the case for everyone. Um, yeah. but that's what I encourage people to look for is that, that sense of, I feel like I can trust you. 
Yeah, I think you got to meet with them first and mm. before you, you know, saying, yeah, let's go into the studio and day one and you meet them and it's like, oh, shit, this isn't going to work. So I think You're it's good right, to have that meeting yeah. first. Yes. I've made that mistake before, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, great. We'll take your uh, word for it. Yeah. It matters. <laughs> it really matters. So yeah. uh, you've got this album on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where else can, like, have you got hard copies, like CDs or, or anything like that? I may have slightly overestimated the the uh, printing of that, so I have 500 sitting in my car. Uh. <laughs> but I am of the mindset because I'm an optimist that I can use that for years to come. And that's a great thing about music is yep. that it's evergreen. It's not like cake or milk that goes off or flowers that die. It's mm-hmm. something that you can, I can give them to my grandchildren. It sounds yeah. terrible. They probably won't know how to play a CD, but <laughs> they won't have What's any this? capacity. It'll just Flick be it. like plugged, plugged into their heads or something yeah. in, um, in 60 years. But, uh, you know, I have definitely have a hard copy. We can buy that on Bandcamp um, or on my website. Uh, actually, do I have it on my website? I think I don't. But anyway, on Bandcamp and then on Spotify and Apple Music and all those things. It's called The Lament and the Love Song. So it's kind of a, a deep um, content and talking about how we can find uh, life and hope in the midst of our joy and in our pain. Mm. Uh, uh, that both are really important. Uh, it's a faith uh, and a, a Christian contemporary album. So um, I'm a Christian and, I, you know, have a lot of love for God. And so, you know, there's songs in that that help uh, people explore uh, what it means to have faith or what it means to rely on, I guess, a higher power and yeah. the hope that I find in God. And um, But also it, there's lots of um I'm actually working on a bunch of love songs at the moment and like just life songs and some cool stuff for the second album. And yeah, it's fun to be able to explore. I'm doing some country tunes. I feel nice. like I'm stretching into that space. Do you find that as you write and uh, that your style develops? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I get sort of harsher on myself, um, you know, with each song that I write, cause I'm learning from the, the last one. Mm. So it sort of gets harder to, to finish a song to a standard that I'm happy with, I guess. Uh, you get more critical of your lyrics and that sort of thing. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, mine's usually based around an acoustic guitar. Um, I think I've slipped in between different styles with different influences, so it's always interesting to hear, you know, what people uh, compare it to and that sort of thing because sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is explain or categorise your own music. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know, I just, just wrote it and it sounds like this. What do you think? <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. A, the question that I get from a bunch of artists is, you know, it's really hard to nail down my genre and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, look, really the the goal of a genre is about marketing. It's yeah. less about you putting yourself in a, in a bucket with other people, but, and, and like boxing yourself in and saying you can only be this, it's actually more about marketing uh, because if you don't know who you sound like and then you won't be able to find the people that may like you and so mm. it'll be harder for marketing. So you just have to make a choice and then your second album or your third, you can make changes. Artists do that all the time. Um, Kylie did a country album and then she did a disco album. Like if you take your fans with you and they're, and if they're fans of you, it doesn't really matter what type of music you make or what style, they yeah. will... Um, they'll go with you because they think, oh, I love Craig or I love Kylie. Anything that she does, I love her. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, and I encourage people to explore. But you know what I reckon? If something's really outside of an artist's zone, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe that's mm. a great song that you've written. Now it's time for shop to shop for the artist that is going to re- record that. And that's another thing. Oh my gosh, I'm too excited about too many things. <laughs> is I've so many songwriters that I'm connecting with who are desperate for artists to record their songs. And then I've got all these artists that are recording mediocre songs just because mm. that they've written it and there's this feel of like, cool, I wrote a song, but just because you wrote five songs doesn't mean you should do a five song EP. Maybe you should do one single and then go write another five songs and get the best song from that and then do that kind of thing. So mm. I'm actually hoping to have at, at least one, possibly two albums written by um, art songwriters in my community. Cause I like to put my money where my mouth is. Okay. And so I've already done it for one where I had melody and I had a theme and I asked for people to write the lyrics. And so I've been going through and collaborating with those people to finalize the lyrics for that song um, from people who did a songwriting challenge that I wrote. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be real about this. Let's do this. And so uh, wanting to encourage artists to connect with songwriters and either do a co-write or look for, I need someone, I need a song that's that's like this, that's going to, you know, round out my album or I'm looking for a poppier tune and I, and I, I find it hard to write, you know, um, really fast songs. So, you mm. know, looking for someone who, who's got that. And that's challenging, but I think you can, you'll benefit from reaching out to other writers in your community. Yeah, and I don't think we do that enough. Maybe that's just sort of in my circles, but I don't think there's enough collaborations. You know, I, I was always a big fan of, you know, my favourite artists getting together or even just for one track, you know, um, jumping on each other's albums for a track or even just backup vocals. You know, I always sort of liked that idea, but I don't think we do enough of that. Um, Mm -hmm. At least, yeah, like I said, in my circles at least. Um, So it's good you're going for that that angle and it's uh, a team effort. Mm. I think it does come back to that whole thing of we try to do it ourselves. So if we can see the, you know, I wrote it and I recorded it and I produced it and I mixed it and I released it all by myself and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm. (laughs) So sad about that. (laughs) Like that just limits you in so many ways, but we actually have the chance. Everybody gets a chance to grow uh, and to flourish when we we open ourselves up to one another. So, yeah, yeah, that would be if anyone, people listening today to take it away, okay, who should I be asking how, you know, start to open yourself up, reach out to creative communities around you. Who wants to write a song together? You might Mm. write a crap song, but what you do is you build a connection, you build a network, and that's going to last way longer than the life cycle of the song. Um, Yeah. 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 And a lot further than, you know, a couple of thousand streams. So I think a lot of people get pretty, protective is not the right word about their own songs. Um, I mean, I know for me, I'd probably find it hard to collaborate at this stage. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, from scratch, I'd, I think I'd find it hard to bring a half-finished song to someone else. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe from scratch, just sit down together and see what comes out. That'd be cool. Yeah. 
I totally, I totally agree. And I think if you're going to bring a half-finished song, there's, mm. there's two things. Like for I talk about collaboration, we're essentially asking for someone to give you feedback, to suggest some chords, uh, mm. to say, oh, I think the, you know, maybe you should switch up the the verse melodies or, you know. So they're essentially giving you input and giving you some feedback, some 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 tools with which to build the song. So you're collaborating with them but that you're not actually co-writing. Um, yeah. But if I have definitely have brought a chorus or something that I loved. And I think you have to surrender your rights to that if you're going to co-write. Yeah. So all you have to say is, okay, I don't care about the lyrics, but the melody, I'm sold on the melody. And just so that the other people in the in the group know, okay, we, we don't want to, he doesn't want to change that, that's fine. Great, we'll work on the lyrics, we'll develop it out. Uh, but you figure that out as you write with different people. I have um, a lady, Renee, that I write with quite a lot and we pretty much both bring an idea that we've got. So we work better rather than working from scratch. She brings a mm. chorus, I bring a, a melody that I've got, and then together we build something. And it's yeah. just about finding the the way that you gel the best within that writing partnership, and that comes from doing it more than once. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could have a different relationship uh, writing relationship with each different person and yeah. the beauty is that everyone hears things differently. No. Oh. You know, what you hear and playing yourself, the other person hears it quite different, which could be a good or a bad thing, but, yeah. you know, that's the, the collaboration part, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I would say there been very few co-writes that I've had mm. where we haven't finished the song in the time. Right. Yeah, because okay we bring their strengths. Often I will intentionally write with other people who have really good uh, music skills. So they're great on the guitar or piano because that's, I'm excellent at lyrics and melody, but I'm yep. not super fluent or, you know, I don't really have a desire to get up and play guitar in front of people. I'm happy okay. to sing. So, yep. uh, you know, so I essentially get someone who's good at what I'm not good at. And so then we, you know, have all the bases covered in that sense. Yep. But yeah, I just, I love being able to go, great, hour and a half, got a full song. Maybe it just needs some finessing and working on the lyrics a little bit. But, yeah, and that's that's a really fun thing to come away. Great, we use that time really wisely. And that comes from trust. And if I go back to that, for me personally, I really think that creativity flourishes in um in a place of safety. Mm. And so with my friend Renee, I use the example that the first time we were like, oh, yeah, let's let's write together. The first time it wasn't so great. We didn't know each other really well. Uh, nothing really happened. Second time I brought my guitar over and a bottle of wine and I didn't even get my guitar out. We spent the oh. whole time chatting, drinking the wine, building <laughs> safety, building connection, yep. building trust. And then ever since then, every writing session, there's, it flows because I feel safe with her. And that, oh. that isn't always going to be the way. And, and I don't think that has to be the, 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 the hallmark or the landmark of a good writing session. Um, cause professional people, you know, writers write great songs with people they've only just met that day and they'll yeah. never see again. Um, and I, and I also, I, I love what you were saying before about like trusting people. I do, I did hear a quote once, um, that said, um, I'm trying to, I'm going to butcher it, but the gist of it was that professional writers, um, don't get offended if someone doesn't like their song, but mm. amateur writers do because usually what we're writing at that point is the deep things of our heart and our journey and our, you know, we've labored over these songs for ages. And so mm. if someone doesn't like us, it's essentially telling us that our baby is ugly. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> that the thing I've built my whole life around is a sham. Like that's really hard to take, but yeah. professional writers just go, great. Awesome. I want it to be the best it can be. And if that means scrapping one of my ideas and using yours, then I'm fine with that. And so yeah. for me, I want to have a bit of a, 
I want to explore the tension between that, like write a song that means something to me and explores and is like a cathartic release of something in my life. But then Mm. also I want it to be the best song it can be. And so uh, really actively seeking and applying those suggestions to, to strengthen it. And, and I think that comes with just writing a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I was sort of trying to say before is people are pretty protective about their songs and not everyone's got that door open to mm-hmm. uh, making changes or criticism or uh, how about you try this sort of thing. Um, so I think it's something you can grow out of though and once you realise that that can be a helpful thing and mm-hmm. obviously the trust thing comes into it again, you know, you, if you trust that person, um you know, it's uh, it can all be very beneficial to mm. your to your songwriting and the final product. So, yeah. so where are you from originally, Kate? Are you from Melbourne or? No, I actually I was born in Sydney, but I grew up in the UK. So probably took oh. from like I was three months, I think, when we went over, and I came back when I was about seven or eight. So we lived in the the mid Midlands, just kind of above. Uh, London uh, on the way to Scotland in that middle space. Oh, cool. um, then lived in Sydney till uh, from about. 1990 to 2007, which is when I moved here. So uh, great decision. I love Melbourne. Um, The roads are so much better. Every time I go to Sydney, I'm like, oh, these roads are terrible. (laughs) The drivers are terrible. Um, And everything just feels a bit closer down here than it does in in Sydney. Everything's really far away from the centre. But, yeah, I love love being in Melbourne. Most of my, well, I would say two of my siblings are here. My parents live in Scotland and my sister and her family live in Queensland. So mm. we are a little bit separate, but there's, there's yeah. three here with their families. Yeah. Yeah. You have mentioned, I think when we spoke during the summit, uh, you might have said something about being a huge traveller. You're a, a fan of travelling. Yes. Obviously that's <laughs> taken a hit in the last year or so. How how, how are you feeling sort of a year into, well, no travelling essentially? Mm, well, I finally got to go to Queensland just um, in January to see my sister and her family and I have two young nieces and a year in between visits when you're only two, that's a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I thank God for FaceTime. We chat every day but I'm a I'm a very happy auntie and a slightly obsessed auntie with my five nieces <laughs> and nephews. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, so I got to, I was weird being on a plane, definitely with a mask. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't too hard to, to go and, you know, come back. I am really keen. I'm really keen to go back to Scotland and, and see my parents over there. And also um, anytime I can go to New York, it's my favorite place. So mm. I can, I, I don't know if I'll be going to the States anytime soon. I, mm. I don't know. I just don't know. Who knows? No. Um, I am spending my money a little bit more on music. Whereas before I would save two grand and just go overseas for a month. You know, I made that work. Now that money's kind of funneling into second album. I was going to say the second album. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I used to have people say to me, how can you afford to go, you know, overseas? And I realized that when it's normal in your life, you just make it work. I have say, how can you afford to go on, on that holiday or get that membership for a a 40 club or do do those things, but that's just normal in their lives. That's what their Mm. parents did. Um, and so for me, you know, a couple of months, say 500 bucks for three or four months, and you've got a plane ticket back, you know, returned to the US. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think because I've traveled a lot, I've been to 28 countries. Uh, wow. You just, it, 
it's kind of in the blood um, and you just make it work because it's, you know that it works. And, I mean, I, I, it's helpful when you know a lot of people ac- across the world. So my pa- parents were missionaries, so Christian missionaries. So we just kn- know a lot of people from a lot of places. So usually I can go somewhere and have somewhere to stay and, nice. um, and connect, which it's always cheaper if you can live in a, um, someone's sleep on their couch yeah. rather than in a hotel. Um, but yeah, I definitely miss traveling and, um, there's some, I mean, even just seeing on Facebook, there's just like snow everywhere at the moment, having big blizzards in the, in the UK, in Scotland, a lot of my friends who live in the States. And so I'm like, Oh, I'd love to go and spend a season in a snowy place and just experience that because I've never really been. I mean, I've I've been to places where there are snow, but only for like a couple of days. So what about you? Have you experienced the cold? Uh, Not the snow. No, it looks, it looks lovely, but you know, it's last couple of days in Melbourne have been a bit cooler and I haven't really (laughs) enjoyed that. So, um, but I think the snow would make it a little bit happier uh and worth the cold maybe Maybe. i don't know i could be wrong i'd like to experience it though yeah i don't know if i'd like to live there i feel like yeah it would get old pretty quickly yeah Um, yeah but i'd like to do it for a season yeah yeah one of the um the bands i've had on the podcast a couple of times they're from canada the carbons and uh they've been posting some sort of snow activity over there and i'm like oh that looks really nice you know they're posting snowmen that they're been building and that sort of thing so it does look nice but i am enjoying the summer down here as well for for the most part yeah um i struggle in the cold weather a little bit now so your old bones and the joints you know and it's just it's just too depressing in the (laughs) in the winter like you know i sort of get up in the dark go to work and then i come home in the dark and i'm like well Imagine in um, Northern Hemisphere, like Scotland, it gets dark. It like it gets light at nine thirty or ten o'clock, and then gets dark at three. Yeah, yeah. The day so short. So we. That's why I like Melbourne. It's like this. Yeah. In between, it's not too hot. It doesn't get too cold, uh, and we get a good amount of light. Like I love the the light at the moment. You know. although I definitely don't take advantage of it. But um, yeah. <laughs> but it's there if you wanted to. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like the daylight feels like, you know, we were talking about not enough hours in the day. It makes you feel like you've got a little bit more time uh, in the day, I guess. It's all an illusion, I really. But that uh, I tend to work something like 60 hours a week sometimes because yeah. uh, I just, I think, I don't know if you find that like working from home, especially in COVID and being an artist and I'm really passionate about what I do. So, I mean, I, I don't have kids, so I can get up at whatever time. I think I got up at 10 o'clock this morning. That's a bit crazy. It's not, not the norm. Um, <laughs> yeah. My desk is in my lounge room and I get to work as long as I like and sometimes to six or seven or eight o'clock at night and then I realise, oh, I've worked a 10-hour day. Did I have lunch? And yeah. <laughs> it's not normally what you would do in a day-to-day job. And so that's been a challenge for managing my time and valuing my non-music time and my non-work time mm. as, and my relationships uh, even though I could work and I could go crazy, I don't want it to be 
my life. I want it to be something that I love and I do and I pour myself into, but that I have yeah. um, a, a good work-life balance. I don't know if I've got it yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's important, even as, you know, we were saying that you have multiple uh, revenue streams, multiple little creative jobs that we're doing, uh, making sure that the most important thing, the relationships are, you know, you invest time in those, uh, mm. that you do your laundry and clean your house, and you know. Feed your cat. Um, Feed your cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, all those important things, which are part of adulting and being part of being a good business owner mm. is, is thinking about the wider, um, you know, paying your bills and doing your monthly accounting and all that kind of stuff yeah. for your music as well as, you know, writing the songs or doing all the PR. So it's, it's this constant tension of what do I do now and which thing is most important. And um I've learned a lot as I've gone and in doing the album, I learned so much and I learned that I wished that I had someone to help me. And that's why I started Westwood Management. I was studying entertainment management at the same time, but I decided I'm not going to work with traditional manager clients. I'm going to work with people who no one else is working with and that's yeah. emerging artists who aren't earn any, earning any money yet. So they can't afford to pay me a commission, but they still need my support. Um, and so yeah, it's been really fun to take a risk and step into that zone. How long have you, uh, or how long ago did you start Westwood Management? Management. Um, so, two thousand end of two thousand eighteen is when I started. Uh, I was studying that year; it was a big year, and I released the album. And I was working three days a week at my radio job, and yeah. then. I quit my desk job and went full time to do this at the end of uh, 2018. And then I started, did casual weekends for the, um, at 89.9, the light radio station. So I still do that. Uh, but yeah, so I've been going just over, this is the third year, essentially full time. Cool. Um, I'm ready for it to pay me a full-time wage, but because I don't have kids, I can eat toast every day <laughs> and, and I'm not expected to run. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and thus I haven't been traveling. So a lot of those expenses I've been able to, you know, pull back on different things, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm just like other artists I'm trying to make this music mm dream uh work but recognizing it has to come from multiple income streams so i work with artists yep. i run online courses i sell online products like um uh i have a grants course i have you know a whole bunch of different things that people can purchase and then i also do coaching so you know the idea is that i'm not just putting all my eggs in one basket and because that yeah. usually um for example live gigging if that was the only mm. way you got income you're a bit stuffed in COVID. so yeah yeah. And, you know, some uh, some people were uh, lucky and smart enough to be able to build a career where they could even just make a living off, uh, you know, live music and then that's it. Just yeah. uh, so, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll pick it back up again to some point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I sort of, uh, well, I felt sorry for a lot of people during this time, but especially them, you know, especially some of the older guys that are maybe, you know, that's all they've done most of their life um, and just sort of got pulled out from underneath them. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would encourage people to think about how do they be good stewards of their finances as well. So yeah. running a small business, which is essentially what a music career is, it's a small business, mm -hmm. you have to have cash. You can't just be waiting for handouts <laughs> from the government or from yeah. your friends to, you know, come to your gigs. You've got to actually put money into it. And so it's a strange thing, isn't it, Arts, that if, if I was a plumber, 
and nobody wanted to hire me, uh, you know, I might give up and do something else because, <laughs> but musicians, <laughs> nobody wants to hear them play, but they just keep playing for uh, yeah. <laughs> so, years and years. So it's a strange kind of thing because it's an artistic process. But um, I guess if we come back to what we talked about really early on was about the whole thing, what's your goal? Why are you doing mm. And some people just do it for the love of it, whether they get paid or not, whether they get to play or not, they do it because they love it. That's great. Then yeah. just don't expect any financial return. If you get a paid gig, awesome. If not, I got to play music. It's my favourite thing. I got to do that tonight. Yeah. I got to do what I wanted to do. But if yeah. your goal is to actually build something and make a living or write for others or, you know, then you're going to make different decisions and you should be making decisions around building a strong business uh, basis and understanding so that you don't have to essentially you know, close your business uh, because nobody is engaging or because you have no money and so you can't do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It really is a business. I mean, it always has been, but I think even more so now you really have to run it like a business and, you know, even just the online, as the online aspect in your presence online, you really have to run it like a business. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, some of the content you put out and some of the content available on your website and this course and everything that you're doing is, you know, it's exactly what we need, not even just emerging artists, but, you know, artists that have been doing it for a little while and maybe struggling or haven't quite got certain things right. So I think your content and what you're doing at Westwood is just hugely beneficial to a lot of us and um i'd encourage everyone to at least check out your uh, website which is uh westwoodmanagement.com uh no hang on let me spell it out mgmt yeah mgmt so westwoodmgmt.com.au and i will put a link in the show notes for that and a few other things kate Westwood related. <laughs> so for people who don't know Westwood, so um, basically you coach and champion to educate and encourage, rejuvenate and release um, and basically help get your music career off the couch and onto the stage. Um, so I guess do you sort of mainly deal with emerging artists but also others that are maybe a little bit further along? So I have um, seven or eight clients that I work with, artists that I work with on a more intensive basis. So uh, they they essentially hire me on a flat fee every month and so I do mm -hmm. different levels of work and coaching. But primary the thing is to give confidence is to, and to help identify where there are roadblocks and come up with ideas and processes or people to help us overcome those. So, um, you know, I'm working with some of my artists at the moment around uh, grant writing. So we found finally found someone to help us with grants. And so they wanted to go on a tour or do an album, but the thought of having to write a grant is so overwhelming. Okay, we're mm. going to pay someone to do that for us. Um, uh, and then helping to go through some of that PR process and showing them this is how you write a press release and this is what an EPK is and, you know, here's how to engage with the kind of email to send when you're doing that kind of stuff. And, you know what, there's still things that I'm learning and, uh, yeah. you know, I've only been in the industry in this space for just over two years. But uh, really, as we said with, with the summit, you don't 
need someone who has a billion years of experience. You just need someone who is a couple of years ahead of you. And yeah. uh, the the idea is there's that coaching and then there is online training, memberships, and then there's these courses. But really the goal is, is primarily to support early stage emerging artists who aren't really making money from the music yet but want to know how they can and, and mm. need help to figure out the business side and the marketing side, like you said, so that they can get their great music into the world or it needs to have someone say, you're great. This song is not great. Or this production is poor. Be honest. And I've definitely had people that I've connected with and I said, oh, I wish I'd got you last month before you hit release on these songs because we can't do much with them because they're not good. Mm. So they're not going to get played on radio, you know. And so it's just you just need someone to lovingly give you that advice um, and to show you how to really confidently uh, be an indie artist that knows how to do it with others. So that's, Mm. that's the key underlying principle. So Yeah. So what do you think is the most common thing or most common aspect that emerging artists seem to struggle with or can't grapple with at the start there? Is it the live aspect or knowing what a good recording is or social media presence? I mean, that's a, I feel like I've got 12 things to say there. Yeah. Um, it's a- <laughs> um, probably one of the, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many things. Uh one main thing would be that they think too short term. So they're thinking just about this song or this gig or this social media post. They're not Hmm. thinking long term. Um, But also that uh, they, they haven't thought through their expectations. So they're thinking if I just release this song and put it out there, then this is what, this is what it will equal people knowing about me. Or if I just release on Spotify, this is what will equal. Um, But very often it's not what we expect and, uh, you know, it doesn't go as far or do as much because we're not spending the time and the money and we don't know how to be a marketer and a promoter and a copywriter and a website designer and mm. um, a producer <laughs> and a songwriter. And a gig and, booker. Yeah, all of those things. We're trying yeah. to be 20 people. No yep. wonder it's stressful. No wonder we miss things. Um mm. And then again, so the three things, they think too short term, they they have unrealistic expectations thinking that, you know, it's like old school thinking about if I just, I'll just get discovered or go viral, which is what happened, you know, in the old industry, it doesn't happen now very no. often. Um, so they, yeah, so that's the second thing. And the, the, I forgot what the third one was. They don't ask for help. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. yeah. I guess it can depend on the age at which they're at as well and type of personality they've got, I guess, like, you know, some of them might be really good with their social media, but um, not so much with uh, maybe the recording or yeah. or utilising their skills with social media, like they're really good at it, but they're not utilising it the way they could maybe. Yeah. yeah. They're a business, but they don't know that they're a business and so they yeah. don't act like a business. They just act like a creative Mm. Uh, but there are we're all creative every one of us every human being has creative capacity within them but just because you can sing a note or write a song or paint a picture or do a dance doesn't mean that that should equal your life calling or your Mm. main source of income and I think that often gets oh my daughter's good singing great let's make her into try and make her this professional musician let's just love art and love Mm. creating without it always having to equal something um 
because I think that's we, it all becomes if we, if it all becomes about the money aspect or the the career, then we lose mm. sometimes the love of it. And yeah. um, anyway, it's a whole other tangent that I could go on. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and I feel like sometimes the songwriting comes last, like the the rehearsing and um, just putting that time into your craft and just sort of sitting there, seeing what comes out of the guitar. Mm-hmm. you know, with a bit of spare time. It just, yeah, it seems like less and less there's time for that to happen because you're always trying to be proactive, you know, and doing the other things of the, the many hats that we need to wear. And just in terms of, um, like, platforms, you know, there's so many different platforms that we're trying to drag all our fans to and follow and like and subscribe and everything. That just blows my mind sometimes. It's like... <laughs> You know, you've got YouTube, you know, subscribe to me on YouTube, follow me on Spotify, like me on Instagram and Facebook. You know, how do we, how do we not ask too much of our fans, um, but also bring them to at least a few of those platforms? Mm. Like that's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Got to find fans where they are. Yeah. So you know, if your fans, if the age group that you're on, if they're on TikTok, then maybe you need to be mm. on TikTok. But I'm not going to be on TikTok because the I know who my my demographic is and who I'm trying to reach. They're not on TikTok. Um, they'll be on Instagram, but they'll primarily be on Facebook because they're 35 like me. You know, yeah. so um, there's that. And then it's also just picking. I would recommend with platforms, just pick two that you're going to focus on. Be, yeah. be present on the others, but don't stress about it. Uh, and um, and remember that you have to have ways to contact people and engage with them outside of those platforms. Because, mm. you know, at the moment people are leaving, um, you know, social media, Facebook for all these other things. I got friends saying, let's go to Signal. I was like, I don't want to check another thing. I don't know what this is. Um, You know, and so if you get shut down. So, for example, I went to a gig um, at the Nightcat uh, in Melbourne just this last week uh, with some friends of mine who were playing and there was a band there, Timothy Wolf, and they were called the Boogaloos and they were amazing. But Mm -hmm. their whole Facebook uh, and Instagram profiles got shut down plus the night cats like the actual venues got shut down because apparently timothy wolf and the boogaloo somehow is connected to some white supremacy group in america <laughs> and so just because of the name that they have their mm. access to all of their fans gone in an instant oh and so they've had wow. to change their band name and like spend days and hours trying to restore access and say, no, we're not white supremacists. Wow. We have no connection to them. So actually, because you don't own that platform, you have no, no rights in that space. No. Um, they can shut you down for any reason and then you lose all of that momentum, you lose all of that connection. So yeah. don't allow your business to be so reliant on something that you have no control over. So just some of those kind of things is is important as you want if you want to grow. Yeah, I mean, one of my questions here was about mailing lists i was going to skip it but it kind of almost goes back to this now like because we kind of own that as musicians in a way don't we like if we get people signing up to us even though we might get taken off facebook or whatever for whatever reason uh we've still got our mailing list to hopefully fall back on and we still have our fans yeah but again that's another thing that's sort of hard to drag people into and and sign up to as well yeah I'll give you quick thoughts on that. 
Lots of people say, oh, who does it? Nobody even reads email. What's the point of that? Nobody does it. I say, if you are on just to be on Facebook or on Instagram or to do any online shopping, to have any app, to have anything, you have to have email. Mm -hmm. And the stats are that 90% of adults check their email every day and 70% check it before they even get out of bed in the morning. And I am Mm -hmm. one of those. Um, And so it's not so much about whether people do or don't engage on that. It's about... um, building trust so when your email goes into their inbox it's actually like an email from a friend rather than a sales newsletter so you know there's plenty of things that i swipe to delete straight away because i know that's just something i signed up for to get a free ten dollar voucher or something from cotton on or bunnings or something but i don't really care about it but if a friend of mine emails me so if you emailed me oh great love to chat with craig cool or my sister or because there's trust and there's relationship and so it really matters how you approach it Mm. and how you build relationship with those people that's the first thing The second thing is, as you were saying, you own that information. Um, And so, uh, you know, the fact that they have signed up usually means that there was a value exchange. So you don't have to twist their arm. So people still love free songs. At gigs, they love, you know, give a sticker or a lollipop in exchange for an email address on your form um, at, at the merch table. Um, do some kind of value exchange where it feels valuable. So I do that a lot where I offer a free PDF on how to, you know, 20 minute guide to contacting venues for your next gig or Mm. a crowdfunding PDF or a goals guide. So I offer a really valuable piece of training or content or ideas in exchange for that. And so people will be keen to engage with something where they feel like there's a good value exchange. And then the third thing is that again, it's that, over imbalance that everyone's thinking about spent all this time on socials but less than 10 percent of people that follow your pages actually um see your posts yeah that's so another if you thing post, yeah you know you think oh but i told everyone about it no you told 10 percent of people yeah if you post it a couple of times maybe 30 percent have, have seen it over that week but mm. majority of your fans haven't seen it uh, yeah. but with emails especially music it's 50 to 60 percent of people who mm. And so already you're way ahead in yeah. the trust and engagement and the capacity to not just build relationship and get to know your your audience, but to when you have a sale, when you have merchandise, when you have a show, for mm-hmm. them to actually click and engage and purchase um, in that space with you. So email marketing is alive and well and it's a billion-dollar industry. And mm-hmm. if you don't do it, you need to come and tell me why you've chosen not to do it and it better be a good answer because I think you're missing out. <laughs> Whoa, that was... There you go. <laughs> do it, down folks. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's something that I've persisted with most of my career, I think, yeah. you know, at least while I've been Acoustic Fox since 2012. Yeah. Um, but it, I've struggled to sort of grow it. So I'm like, oh, is this beneficial? But I feel, I still feel like it is, you know, you're sort of contacting people in a different sort of in a different way um so i think it's it's going to be one of the things that i focus on building this year i'm going to sort of lock onto that and work on that aspect of things because yeah like even you might have a thousand followers on facebook which isn't you know heaps but it's it's good um but just because you put out a post, like you said, it doesn't mean your thousand followers see that. Probably not even half, unless you boost it, which again is money. Um, so it's a you know it's pretty tough. But if you got those people on your email, then what did you say? Fifty to seventy percent of them 
at well, least. Yeah. 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 And, you know, there is there is strategy around that. There's strategy around if the first email you ever send to someone is bye, 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 then in their mind they think Aldi sales catalogue. Mm throw it away before I read it or, you know, it's spam in my email. But if the first email you send says, hey, so great to meet you. This is a little bit about me. Tell me about yourself. Oh, it's actually about a friend writing to me. Um, It it is engaging and tells a story and invites people to tell their story because the goal should be building friendships and relationships, Mm -hmm. not just having another person on your list. Yeah. And so there's so many great things you can do nowadays with like automatic, um, pr- like three or four automatic emails that go out over a month that help people to get to know you uh, more than just your music. Because I, I mean, I have too many sayings, but one of my sayings is you want to build fans of you, not of the music. Mm. Because the song only lasts for three and a half minutes. So if they're a fan yeah. of the song, they're going to move on. But if they're a fan of you, then like let's say you do a country album and then a disco album, if you, if they're a fan of you, they're going to uh, go with you on that journey and they're going to yeah. stick with you because they feel like they trust you, they know you, they feel connected to you in some strange way, which I have d- with brands and some celebrities. I feel connected to you. Like I miss Robbie <laughs> Williams. Not Robbie <laughs> Williams, Rob, uh, Robin Williams. Do you ever oh, right. from, from Hook and yeah. all those movies? It's so weird, but I grew up with him and so sometimes mm. I miss him. I never met him in life. He didn't know who I was, but I have some kind of weird connection with him because of who he was and what I know about him. Yeah. It's a random comment, but you know, that, that kind of thing is we want people to miss us when we die um, because they felt connected to us in some way. Um, and it's got to be more about the individual rather than the, the just another number. So anyway, yeah. I, I can talk for two minutes, too long on too many things. No, because, that's perfect for a podcast. Yeah. It's about <laughs> I changing mean... the mindset and the perspective of why we do things. Why do we yeah. why do we want more numbers? Why do we want more streams? Yeah. Why do we want this more PR? Like what is and then what is the result or the the tangible um actions of of that thing that we spend time to do? And very often it has very little results compared to the mm-hmm. amount of effort and cost that we put in. So it's about changing our perspective, changing our expectations and doing things that actually move the needle forward and, and, and uh, move your career forward rather than the things that you just think you're supposed to do. So yeah, that takes time to figure that out. And that's why I wanted to be a coach and wanted to, you know, uh, help people um, yeah. to figure that out because so, it's that's constantly awesome. changing as well. So yeah. <laughs> well, you work with one of uh, one of my favourite artists and uh, someone who's got one of my favourite mailing lists, Alexis Naylor. You're still working with her? Absolutely. So yeah. I, I I send those emails. So you're welcome. <laughs> oh, right. There you go. <laughs> awesome. I'm sure and, she'll uh, do that. Yeah, she's amazing. And Vanessa, of course. Vanessa. I uh, got to yeah. meet Vanessa. Oh, when was that? It must have been early 2020. So I reckon just before. COVID hit, um, we were able to do a podcast in person, which was really cool. And, uh, yeah, got to take a tour of the van, which was really, and a photo, which was great. So, um, yeah, that must have, I think it was just before sort of COVID. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a joy to walk alongside people and I can be privileged to be trusted in someone's musical journey and uh, to figure things out and to, you know, to overcome those obstacles and to, we're working on a big Aussie tour for her at the moment, which mm. was postponed from last year, but um, 
you know, this is exciting to see, okay, well, we're just going to push forward. And if things change, we'll keep going with it. But we've got to do that as musicians is not give up, keep going, keep creating, keep moving forward. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I reckon everybody should check out the uh, music release roadmap course you've got uh, starting up next week. So just a reminder to head to virtualmusicmanager.com slash roadmap. And again, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. And uh, check out Kate's uh, Westwood management site, westwoodmgmt.com.au. And uh, again, link in the show notes. So thank you very much for, for coming on, Kate. Oh, I th- pleasure. I think we're just about to get a visit from Maverick. Do you remember from during the, uh, the filming of... The black and white cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought we uh, he was having a sleep before and I think he's just got up now, so he might... When we were doing the summit in the middle of the yeah. recording, he walked right across the camera and it was yep. great. I don't remember if I kept that in. I think I may have cut it out, but it was yep. great. It was gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to say hi and he said oh, he, he might come it. and say hi again to you tonight. So, And I love that you include him in your socials. I love that that's because mm. I'm a cats person, so I feel connected to you, not just yep. from your music or your podcast, but because we have something in common and we yeah. build trust and connection when you do more than just the music and Kate is going to stop talking because <laughs> I could go on and on but I mean I would love to chat with people we do a bunch of free catch-ups yep. um, every month uh, just to get to know artists and hear their stories and what their dreams are maybe there's some of the free resources or the paid resources that we have that we can you know say oh this would be perfect for you and invite people into but the primary goal is just to build connection build relationship um and so, you know, check out my socials for all that stuff. But it's just at Westwood Management. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'll put all the links in the show notes. And yeah, please go check them out, folks. Like if you're a musician, there's heaps uh, of really good content there to to help you through. And um, and also, if you're a fan of music, just go and check out Kate's debut album and uh, hit her up for a CD because she's gotta, you know, got to make so some many. space for the second <laughs> album. She can't just have. I do that. <laughs> With my email list, do hey, join my email list, get a free CD. Yeah. Because she needs that space to fill with her second album that's going to be coming out soon. So let's clear out that first album and uh, make way for the second. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Kate. Lovely to speak with you again. And um, I'll speak to you again very soon. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and uh, catch you again soon. Cheers. Cheers.